1: 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left
0: to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. One fly ball deep left center,
1: them on the road. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes! 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 The Atlanta Braves yes. you a championship. 25 lighters on my son yes son. You know I've got to get paid.
0: Five lighters on my dresser, yes sir, you know I got to get paid, swing and right, not too
1: right, welcome to my show, 25 lighters on my 25 folks, now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Sports Drink and our friends at BetOnline. As you've heard me say... uh roughly a million and two times before. BetOnline is the only site I go to when I get the urge to gamble and lose some money. Not this year, though. I'm going to win big on all my MLB prop bets. I'm winning on the division winners. I'm taking the Braves to win the East. Yes, I know it's been a rough start, but we're going to win big. You can win, too. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code ARMCHAIR, and you're going to get a nice little surprise on your initial deposit. But wait, maybe you want to watch soccer, and you hate soccer, and you want to like soccer. Well, put a little money on a game, and I Guarantee you that will change. Don't believe me? Try it out for yourself. Go to BetOnline today. Promo code armchair and get things going. Also brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform if you have Apple. It's only for Apple. Yes, I know. It's very elitist. But you know what? Sports Drink and our good buddy Andrew bought me an iPad so I can be with you guys every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Also for the Locked On podcast, by the way. Locked On Braves and the... Platinum sombrero, mishmashing it up. Anywhere I'm on, I'm just going to throw those two in together. It's free to download. It's free to use. You can talk to me. If I ever get Doc on one of these shows with me, you'll be able to talk with him. Anybody that comes in, it's real-time. I'll tell you right now, I essentially just let everybody speak, and it turns into a nice big powwow. So you can join in. We're recording this on a Thursday, so in about roughly an hour and 18 minutes, I'll be doing another locker room. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and to reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences in the app. It's a great time, I promise you. All you got to do is go to Locker Room, download it, and it is free. And you don't have to worry about what you look like because it is audio only, so you don't even have to shower or put on pants. You can talk with other sports fans across all sorts of other things. Go to the Locker Room app in the iTunes store, the Apple store, whatever you want to call it. Download it for free in the iOS store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group that you want to. Follow me, and you can just follow at the Platinum Sombrero's uh, Twitter feed, and you will be notified every single time we go Live, which will be on Thursdays at nine o'clock. All right, Doc. So that was a long-winded way of bringing us into today's episode. Where, yeah, I was going to say we have got some good things to talk about. We've got some some not as good things to talk about. It's a kind of in the middle. This is a this is a Dylan Doc in the middle week. Yes,
0: I, I'd say that's pretty good. This is the second straight episode that we have recorded where we're coming off of a win. You know, last week was. When it was 5-2, uh, Braves over the Cubs in the first game of that series, Will Smith still somehow managed to load the bases and uh, bring the the potential winning run to the plate against Chicago, but escaped unscathed. And in the most recent game against the Yankees, instead of bringing the potential winning run to the plate, it only looked like he was going to do that. And uh, we came away with a victory, two really... Decent games in New York, I thought, uh, all things considered for the the amount of injuries that have been piling up over the past week or so, to go to Wrigley Field and go to Yankee Stadium and take three out of five, I feel pretty good about it, really. Uh, there is going to come a point where these guys get healthy, and the guys that are underperforming are going to start performing, so uh, being 8-10 and 10 right now, it's, you know, doesn't feel that bad, doesn't feel great, I would like to have a better record, but I, I can live with 8-10. and 10.
1: I don't like looking up and seeing the Mets in first place in the division. Um, for sure, that's not good. This Braves team is better, but um, you, you are correct that this was a really good week for pitching performances. These guys were, were pitching really, really well. Uh, Morton and, and Ian Anderson, they both needed it. They've had some struggles this year, but um, this past game, th- these past starts for them, and I figured Morton would do well against uh, New York. He's faced them a lot and he's kind of dominated them a lot. Uh, but for Ian, I was interested to see how he would perform for his first game in New Yankee Stadium with fans there and uh, went out there and, and he shut a lot of people up. Like the day after Fangraph's article dropped talking about how his arm slot was kind of falling, he went out there and, and was his a uh, well, little bit more vintage what we saw last year. The strikeouts weren't what I was expecting. I was expecting them to be a little bit higher, but overall had a really good game plan and luckily the offense was able to salvage one out of the two. Uh, but that bullpen, we're rapidly approaching that point where – I don't like to freak out in April, but the bullpen is starting to make me very nervous uh, because it just doesn't seem like there's really anybody in that bullpen right now that you can go to and feel comfortable, not just confident that they'll get you out of it, but feel comfortable that it's not going to be a 20-25 pitch session. Uh, They're going to be able to go out and get it done. So hopefully Will Smith, even though he gave up a run, hopefully we can start seeing that bullpen kind of turn around a little bit. I think you and I would both agree, though, um, this team needs a Chris Martin type badly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and ideally, he will be coming back soon. He isn't throwing off a mound yet, but he is throwing off of uh, off a of flat ground. So that's a that's a step in the right direction. Um, you were talking about the starting pitching and part of the issue has been that the whether it's Freed or or Wasker having to pitch in the cold at uh, at Wrigley Field, you know, Kyle Wright only going four and a third and still managing to hit thirty five batters, whatever the case may be, the starters are only now starting to get deeper into games. So the bullpen has struggled a lot, and part of it is because you know these are not exactly all elite guys that we're dealing with out there, and when you're asking them to get out of their comfort zone, covering a lot of innings. That they probably weren't anticipating having to cover this early in the season, you know, th- you're asking a lot out of a bullpen that already wasn't going to be great. So, Nate Jones, we'll just pick on him again, because uh, we did plenty of that last week, too. I mean, he can be okay. But with Martin being out and for him having to pitch, you know, eight times in seventeen games or, or whatever it is, I mean, that's that's a lot early in the season, coming right out of spring training. So, even if he would be effective in in smaller spurts, uh, smaller stints, you know, you're asking a lot out of him. And he's a veteran; he should be able to shoulder that. But when you're looking at all of these all of these guys, you've got underperformance. You got a lot of walks that are happening right now. Mentor has been pretty good, aside from. Uh, if he's pitching against anybody but the Marlins, he's been pretty fine. That series was a really bad anomaly for uh, for a lot of our guys. So hopefully, if the rotation starts to get a little bit healthier, when the weather starts getting warmer, I mean that that game in New York looked like it was absolutely frigid. But Ian's from up there. Uh, when you saw Wasker really, really battling in the in the Chicago cold and wind uh, this past Saturday. So hopefully, as weather gets a little bit warmer, and uh, These guys can start going late, deeper into games. The bullpen will have a little bit more rest, and they can be a little bit sharper when they go out there.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm interested to see Wasker. Uh, He came off one bad start uh, with the Cubs where he got knocked around a little bit. I'm I'm excited to see him get to face Arizona, who's not really a great ball club either. Uh, But getting back into Atlanta, where it'll be a little bit warmer, which should do better for his slider, as it definitely looked like uh, the cold weather in Chicago did not help his slider any uh, as he kind of got hit around a little bit, Uh, but those things tend to happen. Um, Didn't have, didn't have a handle on the fastball or the slider. So I'm excited to see him against Arizona. I'm glad to see the Braves get back to Atlanta um, before we play the Cubs yet again, which I really, really don't like playing teams so close together. I wish they'd kind of spread the series out. Um, But one thing we don't know when Max is going to come back. He hasn't even started throwing yet. So I would imagine he's probably going to miss another two starts minimum Uh, Sirocco we're going to talk about here in just a second because things aren't looking great for uh, our boy Maple Maddox. Um, But we should be getting Drew Smiley back in this series with Arizona. He's geared up uh, to pitch on Saturday, I believe, against Bumgarner. So that's two lefties that haven't performed very well this season uh, going up against each other. We'll see what happens there. But it is going to be nice to see the offense get back home. Maybe the warmer weather will will help because right now, the showing from the Braves offense, minus Ronald Acuna, has just lended more credence to the fact that Ronald Acuna is this entire Braves offense. I don't know if you guys have seen my viral tweet of a Spongebob meme, um, but it, it's fairly apropos.
0: That is kind of why I'm saying it, it was a kind of a miracle. To I know that when, when he came out of the game in Chicago that the Braves were already up pretty big. They had that four home run first inning uh, from that game, so... It's a good thing that they were able to hang on to that uh, Saturday night victory and the 13-4 win in the game that Acuna came out and then splitting against the Yankees because if you're going to lose, if you're going to split a series with with any team, um, you know uh, we should have taken two from the Yankees. That that's on the bullpen, but the the off.
1: Can we really call it splitting a series if it's only two games? I hate two-game splits. They're not series. I hate calling them series.
0: Well, we we won one and they won the other. We can come up with a, with a title for that's it later. One of my,
1: that's one of my irrational pet peeves around baseball. Like, I hate two-game sets. It drives me crazy, but I it goes. I just hate ties, period. So, I don't know. I'm getting you off track.
0: No, it's all good. Uh, so, the offense just looked anemic. You know, they, they scored... Four runs uh, in last night's game when Anderson was pitching, but they did it on only five hits. Uh, the, granted, they were taking their walks. The Yankees were doing everything they could to to put men on base after Kluber came out of the game. And the entire series, it just felt like, I, and I didn't want to come out and say this, but I'm like, this team used to be so exciting. What happened? You know, it's amazing to consider a world where Ronald Acuna wasn't on the Braves. Just that that spark, you know, that just kind of always getting amped up you know and he he is the straw that stirs the drink to bring that uh, to bring that old phrase back and you know when he's going he can he can carry the offense by himself and while you know Riley is yeah, he's getting there maybe Maybe he's getting there, maybe Ozzy's getting there, Dansby, we're gonna talk about Dansby too, Ozuna. You know, there's so many there's so many guys that are like halfway in and halfway out, or maybe like a quarter in and three quarters of the way out that Well, let's just say that it's going to be really good to get Ronnie back in the lineup. Freddie, Freddie is doing fine. I I don't think we're talking enough about the fact that Freddie is still having really bad luck on balls in play, but his OPS is still over 900 and he is just hitting rockets right now. But even in the New York series, he was, he was kind of minimized a little bit. So we know what this offense can be. We can talk all day long about the pitching injuries and the bullpen you know, how it wasn't as good as last year. The offense is going to hit all these guys are going to hit. So Figuring out how to eke our way through while we're just kind of holding it together very, very loosely. Being able to pull some wins out and not fall five, six games out of first place within the first three weeks of the season. This is crucial. You know, this is a crucial stretch right now. And the Diamondbacks, this could almost be a trap series because even though they're 9-10, and they're really kind of not good. So if the Braves take their foot off the gas at all, then they could kind of find themselves in trouble. Their offense isn't great. Their pitching is not great, whether it's starters or relievers. So this is this is a time to really just put the foot on the neck for the Braves.
1: It absolutely is. And speaking of holding on loosely, just make sure you don't let go because if you cling too tightly, uh, you're going to lose control. Speaking of losing control, today's episode, as always, as we mentioned earlier, brought to you by Bet Online and our friends at Locker Room, who you're going to be able to tune in tonight at 9 o'clock for a locker room. Also brought to you by Kane and Sunglasses. The outdoor experiences could be better, clearly better. And I mean... Clearly, clearly as in clearly better sunglasses. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lens for optimal clarity using Japanese optics, which means they're flipping awesome. Canon's lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than any other lens on the market and are nearly impossible to scratch, which is good if you're like me and drop them 45 times. With frames that are handcrafted in Italy, Kanan sunglasses elevate your experiences outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Doc, your wildest imagination. Just use the exclusive the exclusive code KananCast15, spelled K A E N O N 15. spelled kaenon 15 uh, cast 15 at Canaan.com. Again, K A E N O N Cast. 15 at canon.com and get 15% off your first pair. I'm just saying, Kanan, it would have been pretty cool if you would have sent Doc and I a free pair of sunglasses so we could really talk about it. But whatever. Kanan, cast 15 canancom Get your exclusive Canan sunglasses today. So you were just talking about the injuries uh, for the pitching staff, and you were talking about the, the Diamondbacks and how they're not really a good team. Um, one thing that would, that we should note, uh, Zach, they will be getting Zach Gallon back and he'll be pitching in this series. Now, Zach Gallin in what is really one of the more bizarre trade moves, um, for, uh, Arizona and Miami trading Zach Gallon and Jazz Chisholm basically straight up for each other. Now granted, Chaz has, Jazz has looked really good for, for the Marlins right now, but Zach Gallon, when he's been on the field has looked like one of the top pitchers in the National League, uh, one of the better changeups, which has become one of the better pitches in baseball, one of the more impactful pitches in baseball. And Gallon is coming back. I don't know if he's already pitched again this year, but I know he's he's kind of really rounded back into form and he'll be facing the Braves. Uh, and, and a guy like Gallen is typically a guy that would give the Braves fits. He's an excellent, excellent pitcher. He will be pairing up with Bryce Wilson, so that will be interesting. Uh, but you're right, that lineup for them, Cattell Marte is really their only offensive player that you kind of circle on the stat sheet, and he's been injured for most of this season with a hamstring, I believe. Uh, Christian Walker, I believe, is still in the 10-day IL. They're not a team that really scares you, but I've said that about Arizona a lot, and for whatever reason, the Braves tend to struggle a little bit with Arizona, Uh, so we'll see what happens. I am excited, though, to see this pitching lineup in in some warmer weather. Hopefully Mother Nature will cooperate because the Braves... We're navigating these injury waters. There's a lot of ineffectiveness, which we're going to talk about here in a second, but the the, the injuries are still the main concern. The big thing last year for the Braves was obviously the starting pitching loss, losing Mike Soroka and Max Fried basically having to be the only starting pitcher who could do anything. Well, luckily the Braves went out and got their reinforcements because I still don't know when Max is supposed to come back. He hasn't been throwing yet, uh, which tells me he's he's not coming back at the, like at the earliest mark on that 10-day, and it could be that they wanted to give him a little break mentally as well. It came at, It's not opportune to ever get hurt, but that was the most opportune time that it could have happened for him, but... This is not a team that is going to bear the loss of Max Freed very well when he comes back. It's going to be very imperative that he does come back fairly quickly. And we talk about that it's it's important not to freak out in May in the or in April in the beginning of May. But we have seen before in our own division that you can dig yourself holes that are too deep to really come out of. So while I'm not pushing the panic button, minus Freed and Soroka right now, and, and we'll see how Smiley looks coming back, there has to be... I don't want to say panic, but there has to be a sense of urgency with this team, uh, especially with the way the bullpen and the offense have kind of been sputtering uh, without Ronald Acuna and Chris Martin, respectively. Although I should point out, Chris Martin sounds like he might be getting closer; uh, might actually be coming back in this Diamondback series. So that would be a huge boon to this bullpen.
0: It definitely would, and uh, you know I've been very encouraged by by Morton. Uh, and he's a stymie vet. You know, he's he's really solid. We brought him in because he we knew that he was going to be Uncle Charlie. He's perfect number two. Anderson looked like he really took a big step forward. So that's a that's a good one-two right there. While Freed is out, Anoa two out of three. So we will see how he pitches uh, against Arizona and beyond that. Bryce Wilson, you know, he did okay. I suppose in that start. You know, he gave up his couple runs. Uh he really pitched the contact. He's really kinda come come into his own in that. And if you really get too deep into the stats, like it, you and I will tend to use FIP more than we'll use ERA because it focuses more on the pitchers game than the, the surrounding stimuli. And I
1: tend to use I tend to use Sierra, which goes even deeper on that, but apparently but I haven't gotten enough people caught up on that one yet.
0: It's a that's a that's a tricky one. Even even deep analytics people kind of aren't willing to incorporate Sierra as the main one yet. But uh, they
1: should. It's the only thing that also includes park factors.
0: No, I I I totally get it. But if you start looking at Bryce Wilson's ERA, which you know no stat, the only bad stat is one that is used by itself to make a determination on a player you almost have to use like 10 15 20 different so you know there's value in ERA and there's value in FIP well in Bryce Wilson's most recent start his ERA was 3.6 and his FIP was like 8.6 <laughs> you know and, and you're going to have that because because he's trying he's not trying to just overpower guys and be like a strikeout guy then his strikeout numbers are going to be really low he's going to pitch the contact so naturally that's going to be higher and instead of giving up a uh, bunch of ground balls he gives up a bunch of fly balls so you swirl all that together and that is a disastrous FIP and some guys just you know some- Julio
1: Tehran same type of way where Julio's FIP would be much worse than his ERA but his, he's a guy that throughout most of his career has outpitched his FIP just because that's kind of the profile and I talked about Bryce Wilson on On. we might have talked about him a little bit last week about how that was a that was that was kind of that that type of start from Bryce is why he's always been viewed as the safest of the pitching prospects for these braves guys because it wasn't spectacular in any sort of way It was a pitch to contact believe he only had one or two strikeouts in that outing, but he didn't walk a lot of people uh, gave up a lot of soft contact didn't really get hit around but just a guy that went out there and he he gave you a plenty of innings he he left you in a position to win that game and whether you're up a run or two or down a run or two. That's typically going to be Bryce's game. Occasionally, he'll come out with ones like he did uh, against the Dodgers, where he's just flat-out dominant. But usually, that's not going to be Bryce's game. And that's something that you and I have been touching on with Bryce uh, since his ascent through the minors, where one of the key things about him is that he throws so many strikes and is so around the zone. Uh, I've always said it's a lot like John Lackey, or whenever they say that a guy has a bulldog mentality... What it means is he challenges hitters. He throws a lot of strikes. He doesn't waste a lot of pitches. And that's just recognizing your own, your own limitations. Like, yes, he can throw 95, but he doesn't necessarily have high-impact stuff, uh, as you and I would call it. So for him, learning who he is and just being comfortable with who he is, Bryce is a very fine fifth starter candidate. He doesn't have the same ceiling as some of these other guys. Like He certainly doesn't have the ceiling of, like, Wascar or somebody like that. But he is a guy that you can count on, mostly start to start, to go out there and put you in a position to win. And there's a lot to be said about that. I was I was impressed with Bryce's performance. Not because it was a great performance by any stretch of the imagination, but because he went out there and he did exactly what I think Bryce should do.
0: And I think Kyle Wright could kind of learn from that a little bit too. And and, uh, and not try and be quite so fine and just realize an out's an out. Um, and, and once again, you the the way we take the game in now is different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And in even guys like like Mike Soroka, their value is when he's healthy, mind you. Uh his value is in being in control and living off of ground balls, pitching to contact. Yeah, he's going to put up 8 8 strikeouts per 9, which is fine, but he's he's got the heavy sinker. He's going to get a lot of ground balls. He's going to keep things in control, but because he doesn't have just absolutely absurd, eye-popping stuff in terms of velocity, then he's not going to have a lot of really sexy numbers. So even when you look at projections, it just tends to undersell him. Now, uh, he hasn't been able to make it through a full season, so none of those projections have really mattered. And I personally, I am not counting on Mike Soroka to contribute to the 2021 team whatsoever. Not saying he's not going to, not saying that I wouldn't love for him to be here, because I obviously would, but I really am nervous about the shoulder. Um, and I kinda wonder if the bullpen let's just entertain this scenario for a second. If the bullpen continues down its same path and then you've got any type of unified front, let's say Freed comes back and he does pretty well, you got Freed Morton Anderson, say Smiley does well in and oh there's five right there. If the bullpen sucks and the rotation's full, put Mike Soroka in the bullpen. Limit his innings. We were talking about this before the show, which is up there with running out of time as one of the most stated phrases on on the the Platinum Zubaro. Mike Soroka reminds me of Mark Melanson, and I think Mike Soroka would actually be a really good closer. So just something to think about. Um, you know, when you're dealing with an Achilles injury, that might be a, a freak thing, but when you're dealing with 2018 uh, shoulder injury, spending the first couple of weeks in 2019 recovering from that, dealing with shoulder in 2021. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies.
1: The shoulders are definitely what makes you the most nervous, especially in regards to pitchers, because shoulders are, one, they tend to be chronic. If you have a bad shoulder, you tend to have a bad shoulder. Two, we all saw what happened with Brian McCann, who had a very good throwing arm, uh, had some shoulder injuries, and then turned into one of the weaker throwers in baseball. Ditto for Marcelo Zuna. Um... I just want to point out that it was Doc that came with the hottest take of the show today, uh, about moving Soroka to the bullpen. I don't see that in his future just because I think, I don't know that he would be who the Braves would profile in that back end. I think that they would exhaust every single opportunity. I think he would be traded, as crazy as it sounds. I think he'd be traded before he was ever, like, solidified into the bullpen, uh, it's one of those things, though, where you may have to always keep an eye on his innings because as much as we've, we've seen a lot from Soroka, or what seems like a lot from him, he really hasn't thrown a lot of innings because he has been injured a lot. And I still think the Achilles thing was a fluke, but that's a lot of shoulder injuries, and I, I, I don't know if he had any shoulder issues when he was in the minors. But that's, that's two pretty significant shoulder setbacks uh, from from what I've gathered. Now, maybe Snit was just saying that it's going to be a little bit before he gets back on the mound. Maybe it sounds, maybe it reads worse than it sounded, uh, but it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence when you're talking about a guy that was already trying to come back and had a setback, and that setback is going pretty badly. Um, I, I I hope the best for Soroka, but I've been saying this anyway. I don't think that he's the top of the rotation guy, and not through any, not through any ill will towards Soroka. It's not that I don't think he's good. I think he's fantastic. I just that's how much I think of a lot of the other Braves' arms. I think that Soroka is going to profile as your eventual number three, maybe even your number four if things really work out right for for some other players. But I think ideally he ends up as your number three, as a guy who's going to go out there and give you a ton of innings. He's not going to because the there's this kind of misconception that Soroka doesn't walk people. He actually will walk people because he would rather walk you. Than plate one for you to mash 600 feet, uh, because the the home run rate for Soroka is one of those things that's always been due for a regression. So I'm not going to be shocked if you see once Soroka really settles into his big league career, if you see him as a guy with a three eight to a four two walk per nine rate, like that's that's not going to be all that uncommon for me. The the thing about him is he excels at getting weak contact, which is a lot like Melanson, like you're saying. Uh, I just I think that there's Personally, I don't think Kyle Muller is going to be a starter. I think Muller is going to end up in the back end of that bullpen. I've always thought Tukey Toussaint was a prime candidate uh, for a Rice Iglesias-type comp. I think that that's Tuki's future home. Uh, and Jaseel De La Cruz. I don't think Jaseel is going to be a starter either. I think Jaseel, you take his 70 fastball, you take his 70 slider, and you put him in the bullpen and you let him work. I think Waskar and Jaseel are pretty similar. I just think Waskar uh, has more upside as a starter because he already has more pitches to throw. I think Mike will find himself uh, – this could also just be that I'm just hoping. Like I, I really, really want it to be Mike that solidifies into that rotation, and we can have an eventual of Freed and Ian and Mike and Waskar and then pick your fifth one. I don't really care which of the fifth. Say it's Bryce because I think it'd probably be Bryce. That would be most likely fifth or Schuster or whoever.
0: No, and and believe me, I I want Mike Soroka back. Believe me, and and I'm not talking like long term. Like let's just go ahead and make Mike Soroka a, a closer. No, th- I'm just talking about for now this year. If there's any concern about his shoulder, you know, like you said, you got to monitor his innings. You know, and the easiest way to monitor somebody's innings, if you want to keep them around, is to put them in the bullpen. And you know, if you're throwing a hundred pitches at a time, as opposed to throwing. 20 pitches at a time in game, not counting, like, warmups ups and, and whatnot, um, it can it can minimize some of the nonsense on the shoulder. And he's got all the talent in the world. I just want him to be healthy, and I also want him to be effective and contributing because you know it's driving him crazy now. You know that he's been completely stir-crazy ever since the second he went down with the Achilles injury, and he's wanted to get back. And, you know, and, and I don't know whether this is – um Related to one specific event, the inflammation, or whether or not it's fatigue, just kind of general overuse as he's ramping back into it. We knew there were going to be injuries this year. There was a ton of literature written about how are teams that only had to cover 60 games worth of innings last year, how are they going to stretch their pitchers back out? And so the fact that the Braves are dealing with a lot of injuries, other teams are dealing with a lot of injuries, too. You know, we're not we're not the only ones that are that are facing this. Even though ours are pretty extreme because we're getting it with pitching and offense, um, this is something that we knew with something that we knew was going to happen. So uh, give give it give it time.
1: I think part of the thing with that shoulder too is it's a fair point that he just hasn't used his arm a lot. I mean, he didn't get to pitch a lot last year, seeing as he got hurt. Uh, so it's not that uncommon for people coming back from injury to have some shoulder inflammation. I think it was more just the way that, that it sounded, when, or at least the way that it was written when Snit said, and he's not close, that kind of scared a lot of people, or just he had a setback. I, I don't really, without really knowing exactly what that setback was, it's it's hard to gauge whether we should really be worried or not. Um, but overall, I'm... I, I, I'm not going to press the panic on that. I've said all along the Braves have so much depth, and we've said that a million times on this show, the Braves have a ton of depth, and they can they can bear an injury or two. They can't bear three, and they can't bear it being all of their top pitchers. Like They were geared to be able to miss Soroka or Freed. They can't miss both for any real length of time. Um, but overall, I like what we're seeing. Uh, and... Speaking of, of, of some other people uh, disappointing or, or just not performing very well or not performing at all due to injury, uh, we should talk about the two elephants in the room. Uh, one, you and I are going to have pretty different opinions on. The other one, I think we're going to have a very common consensus. So let's start with the common consensus, uh, and that's Dansby Swanson. Of it, It's nice to see that the defense has really come around in the past few seasons because it was pretty much untenable for a while there. Um But, goodness gracious, uh, I I give the guy a little bit of love coming into the season, and this is how he repays me.
0: Yeah, he's – there have been a lot of Braves that are struggling to get their timing right. And other teams really did their homework on Dansby this season, and he was not prepared for that. So, he just – he looks lost man like and and you're right the defense the defense is still fine that that was one of the things that I was praising about Austin Riley yesterday was that you know you see it all the time somebody's struggling at the plate and then they start it starts getting in their head and then they all of a sudden they can't field anymore and both Swanson and Riley to their credit with their offensive struggles at the plate their defense has been fine but man Dansby he was hitting fifth for a minute I think you got to kind of move yeah, him a little cool bit breaks, further down. Cool, the
1: breaks on that. Yeah. Let, let's have him bat seventh or, or even eighth for a little bit. Like, and, and he's in a very, very bad stretch, which is the second really bad stretch that he's had this year where he's striking out a lot. And this is kind of what we expect from Dansby. This is kind of what he's done. I mean, I know everybody likes to, because nobody wants a Braves player to fail. I know people think that I'm just waiting for Dansby to fail. I really would prefer him to be fantastic and awesome. I would rather every player on the team be the best player in baseball at their position because I want the Braves to win. It's just he hasn't played to that level really other than maybe a two-month stretch out of his entire career. And you can look at his offensive numbers and you can look at him one of two ways. You can look at it as, well, you know, it's improving slightly every year. He's still about a 108 OPS plus. Last year was like his career high, which is not all that spectacular, especially for shortstops nowadays. Uh, Or you can look at it as... You know, like, dude, this guy's 26, 27 years old, and there's a lot more offensive shortstops in the league who can play defense, too. Like, shortstop is in a golden age position-wise. If, if, if this were, like, 1997, we'd have a totally different view of Dansby. But it's not 1997, it's 2021. Uh, and, and right now, Dansby is... he's He's kind of lucky that there's not really much depth behind him, but for a lot of us might have been thinking that maybe... Uh, once Pache comes back and Ronald comes back, Adrianza might take some time away from Riley. At this point, you got to kind of ask yourself, um, could Adrianza be eating in a Dansby's time?
0: Maybe. Uh, Adrianza has had a really, really good start to the season, and he's kind of looking like what they wanted Camargo to be. Now, granted, part of the reason why he's been doing that is because there have been a lot of struggles and a lot of injuries, so that creates a lot of time for somebody. And he's just kind of bouncing around. Uh, you know, he played second for Ozzie. Uh He's been playing right while Ronald's been out, so it's entirely possible. I mean, Dansby's reputation kind of beefs him up as a player a little bit. You know, he had the pedigree and you know, everybody really loves. Vandy
1: lo- and everybody loves Vanderbilt guys. Well, and everybody he's a just likes him. Yeah.
0: He's just he's just a really likable guy. And so when he's struggling, we tend to give him you know, some of us, not necessarily you, Dylan, some of us still we'll will tend to give him a little bit more grace than maybe he has earned. Um, so you're
1: telling me that I'm the objective one.
0: Uh sure. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> Rakes Rakes right now is sitting here just waiting to get to the Austin Riley part of this to see what I say. Well,
0: well, let's get there. Let's. I, I don't. I don't want to beat Dansby up too much. We are we are 17 games into the season, so uh, he's got a long time to turn it around. Austin Riley just, had the let, best let game let me, of the uh, season last night for him.
1: Let me let me finish this one thing on Dansby. Um, maybe I can do the reverse psychology thing, and if I talk badly about him, he'll start playing well since he does really bad when I talk well about him I'm just gonna do the other way I'm gonna go opposite um, but for Austin I have hammered Austin Riley all year uh, and I know rakes is waiting to hear if I will eat crow and the answer is no I apologize to absolutely nobody um, but it, it's been it's been a nice it was the the Yankees two game set was very nice set for Austin uh, what he's st- I don't think he struck out at all um, he's had five walks over his past what five or six games He's been on base a lot, and cutting down the strikeouts has been a big part of it. The part that has bothered me has been that he's lost any extra oomph in his thing. Like he's two hundred forty-five pounds, he shouldn't be hitting. He shouldn't be hitting the ball on the ground to right field. That's not. That shouldn't be his game. Uh, we saw him hit the home run yesterday, and yeah, I know, it wouldn't have been a home run in any other park he played in. Luckily, they were playing in Yankee Stadium, so I don't really care. It was out at the park they were playing in. And for Austin, if you dug into that on StatCast, the good sign for that was that he hit it at a 35-degree launch angle. I know I probably just lost about a quarter of you guys when I mentioned launch angle, but it's important to note, Austin is not fast enough or and does not have good enough barrel control to be successful hitting the ball on the ground. So it's amazing what happens when you hit the ball in the air, when you're a mammoth human being who is very, very strong and you hit the ball in the air, things tend to work out well. And I think maybe we might be starting to see Austin make a little bit of an adjustment towards that as over the past week or so, his launch angle has gone from uh, 8.6 to 9.6. So we're starting to see him raise it a little bit. And he may, be, he may be just getting tired of what was happening before because now that he's got his first extra base hit out of the way, maybe he's about to go on one of his binges. It, the Braves need him to because right now with Dansby not hitting, the eighth spot, now that Heredia is hitting for now, it's not going to continue. Um, but you can't really afford to have – you don't want to have, I should say, seven, eight, and nine be black holes in your lineup. Uh, and And the Braves – Obviously, as a team, have been counting on Austin to really take that step offensively. So if he's able to, I, I would almost even tell him to to maybe sell out on that fastball a little bit. Like if he's gonna suck against off-speed, make that adjustment when you have to. Maybe you're just always gonna not be great against off-speed. If he's a guy that ends up settling as a 240, 245 average guy, but he hits you 30 dingers, that's perfectly fine. I think I, I wonder sometimes if Austin might be succumbing to the pressure of the expectations that were placed on him of being a 285-300 a type of guy instead of just letting him be the type of player that the Braves really wanted him to be. So hopefully we're seeing Austin take some steps forward. I like the walks from him. I like that he's getting on base. I just need to see him actually... Like I don't need, to, I don't need him to be Ender and Ciarte at third base. I need him to provide some pop. So I'm hoping that with, that with that Yankee series, maybe we'll see it in this series because the Diamondbacks are not averse to giving up the long ball. Maybe I'm. I'm really hoping that we start to see some lift from Austin.
0: Yeah, this the past couple games he has seemed a little bit different. You know, in previous years he was real chase happy. You know, he's he has cut his swing rates a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. He's swinging uh, way less than he did in previous years, and he is making more contact when he does swing. Uh, but you're right, he is hitting it on the ground. He's not hitting it in the air, and he's not. perfect player and we all know that but i think that he knows that too and for a lot of the different areas where he has been publicly criticized whether it was his bat speed is he going to be able to get to high velo stuff you know he did work on that there was a lot of criticism on his defense and he's obviously done a lot of work on that i've been i've been very impressed by his glove this year and and we know that he can hit it 500 feet and that, that's something, that's a skill that's never really going to go away. He is just country strong. That's a big, strong dude. But I think that he really wants to be a good, well-rounded hitter, you know?
1: I agree. And I, I think that, I think the final piece for him is to figure out who he's going to be. Because... For the reasons that you just mentioned, I don't think Austin is a guy that can be an average and a power. I think he has to be one or the other. And it's not gonna he's not gonna figure it out one way or the other until he decides which he's gonna become. So I think he might be getting a little bit more confident in that.
0: No, you're right. And and what he's also managed to do is his walk rate is up over ten percent for the first time in his career. His strikeout rate is at twenty point three percent, which is, it was 36% his rookie year. It was 24% last year. I mean, we're seeing some really good plate discipline from him right now. And I know that he, I know he's not mashing the ball. I, and he's some of his singles that he've ha- he's had have been. He's had, like, the anti-everybody else on the Braves luck. You know,
1: (laughs) you've got... He's had the Phillies luck.
0: Yeah, you've got Ronald hitting him 115 right at somebody, or Freddie hitting one 115 right at somebody. And here's Austin Riley doinking a single at 57 miles per hour off the bat, but I'll take it, you know what I mean? If he can navigate this, because he's... Even for being in a slump, and even for seeming lost at the plate, you know, his OPS is 683. That's not bad for somebody that we're just kind of beating up right now. So if he can go on one of his patented streaks, he's only going to be behind Ronald as being being the most uh, effective contributor on this team. I said earlier that we're not even talking about Freddie, and then I just left him out. So Austin <laughs> will be third. We'll, just, we'll say that.
1: Well, we'll say right now, like Austin is number three on the team right now uh, in WRC Plus and in OPS right now, which might say more about the rest of the lineup. Um, but again, I mean, you can see... like. A lot of people, I, I do think people might be celebrating a little bit too early until he does it consistently because he's in the 7th percentile for average exit velocity. And that's more important than your max exit velocity. But the max does show that when he squares up, you know, he's a gigantic human. He's a big, strong dude. He can hit the ball super hard. I just He can Nelson Cruz it. He just can't, he doesn't have that, that hit tool capability. I think he'll figure it out. Uh, I'm not certain how long it's going to take, and I, I think that it's very important. I think this is a very important stretch for Austin because I don't think... Uh, I don't think if, if Austin were to continue being kind of a light-hitting third baseman, I don't think he would be the starting third baseman for the Braves as we head to the playoffs. I think that that would be a position where Alex would have to take a very, very hard look come trade deadline time because you, you can't have the entire left side of your infield being light-hitting, and if Austin is finally able to... Uh, make a decision and, and start hitting the ball with a little bit more authority, taking more walks, like even if he goes back to struggling on the off speed, just taking more of his walks will make him a very it will make him a very effective player. Like he doesn't have to hit 285 to be a, an effective player. We've seen it like I say this all the time. Joey Gallo is one of my least favorite players to watch play the game. But he's a very effective player because he knows his weaknesses too. So he knows if he bombs 40 homers and carries an 18% walk rate, it doesn't really matter that he hits 230 or 215 because he's still impactful. He's impactful with what he does. And I, I'm, the more I see Austin Riley, the more I think he's going to have to make that decision of, he might be he might not be Troy Glauss he might be more Mark Reynolds or Joey Gallo and that's okay just because you have a set expectation of somebody in the minors where you're it's it's more of a reminder of like what you see in the minors is not always a perfect indicator of what they're going to be as a pro because i'd i'd much rather him be Mark Reynolds than be Mike Olt
0: yeah and and there's still the danger that that he is going to be Mike Olt but this weekend he is catching Arizona at a good time. Luke, we- very much so. Luke Weaver is had a very rough start of the season. Madison Bumgarner's ERA still has a comma in it. And even with Gallen coming back, you know, this is only his third start of the year, so he might not be all, all the way there. So, um, ideally he'll be able to ride that first just getting the monkey off his back and saying, "Okay, I got my first extra base hit, I got my first home run. We can get down to business now and he can hopefully just mash this weekend and beyond."
1: Right, I'd, I'd like to see him go on one of those month and a half binges like he did because I think I think the whole time Austin's been chasing uh, what he did when he first came up, uh, and I, I think that that's been kind of I think that's might have been what made him kind of move away from his swing path to begin with when he started struggling really hard. Um, I, I I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we see him start to raise that that launch angle back, and we start to see him start to try to be the power guy a little bit more because right now i think i think that that's the path to austin being effective and i think that austin knows that too so if he can still if he can keep the chase rate down and just lift a little bit he will be perfectly fine you mentioned his defense he's gotten light years better defensively he's always had soft hands but his range has gotten much much better now the arm is sometimes erratic but it's it's really really strong and and as long as he's able to to hit for you know, get that ISO up into you know the hot, like get it into the twos at least. That's all I'm looking for. I don't need him to have a 300 ISO. I don't even need it to be 275 or 276 or whatever. You know, get it to like 211, and I'm perfectly fine. And I think the Braves would take that all. I think the Braves would take that seven days a week. Um, but overall, I think that this is a good series for the Braves. Now, I've been saying that the last two series, uh, but the, it is important to note that even though we didn't think they played particularly well, the Braves come back home winning uh, three uh, three to two, three to two road trip. So that's not. You win, that's not bad. You win a series and split a series. You'll take that every time. So going forward, I'm looking forward to seeing the Braves take on the Diamondbacks. I know you are too. Uh, I think the Braves, I think this is a good series for the Braves. I think they're catching them at a good time. And I think it's good that we're facing bad teams. I think that if we're going to have injuries... We've hit the right mark to have those injuries at and not derail the season. So, uh, as you can hear, my stuff is starting to kick back on. That means that we're in we're reaching the end of this program. So, Doc, thank you for joining me this week. Everybody else out there, thank you guys for tuning into the episode. Reminder one more time that we are going to do a locker room, uh, or I am in about thirty seven minutes or so. So, hopefully, I'll see some of you guys on there. Uh, Doc, I'll catch you next week, buddy. By the way, happy birthday to you. <laughs>
0: Thanks, buddy. I
1: certainly appreciate it. All right, everybody. Y'all have a great week. We'll be back again next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thank you for
0: being a friend.